from Mesh AI. This is the Data and AI Podcast, Episode 4. I'm DBS, and joining me today, we have Deepak Bensi. How's it going, Deepak? Hey, DBS. Glad to be back. So uh, what we got on the show today, mate? So today, we're going to be talking about the role of access management when looking to democratize data, you know, particularly when we look at a lot of the modern paradigms coming in, such as that of data mesh and data products. One of the core aspects from a governance perspective is how the access to that data is managed, and particularly if the aim is to democratize access to data, um, access management becomes a fundamental pillar in order to achieve that goal. And to help us understand that in a bit more detail and look at some of the modern approaches around data access management, we've got Bart B. joining us, who's the CEO and co-founder of Rito. Rito is a modern data access management fabric that allows organizations to put in a wrapper across your entire data estate. Bart, welcome to the show. Hey, DPS, hey, Deepak. Uh, thanks for having me. Super happy to be here. Uh, indeed, uh, CEO and uh, co-founder of Rito. And uh, before uh, starting Rito, I was uh, product manager data privacy at Calibra. And that's where we really saw the challenge of uh, scalable data access management. All right, talk us through a bit more about your background and what exactly is it that led you to start Rito? Yeah, so in terms of background, I have to go back to what I studied. I actually studied to become a, a banker. So I made that cardinal sin of studying banking and finance. And uh, during during my my uh, early like career, during my studies, I had this I had this really strong impression of uh, financial risk management and having that balance between innovation, so financial innovation and financial risk management. Because at the time, risk management really didn't have a grip on the traders. You had a really lot of buildup in financial risk leading to the financial crisis in 2008. And that was because of all the rogue traders chasing short-term gains. Uh, And financial financial risk management really didn't have a grip on them because they were considered dull and cool uh, and, and had no impact, no influence. And that's where that made a strong impact on me. So when I ended up at Calibra working on data privacy, all these experiences came back and as I really saw firsthand the importance of integrating privacy, integrating security in product development. In When you're creating data products, it has to be integrated. So it's not an afterthought. Um, and that balance of you know uh, security, data protection with data innovation, that's something I really want to achieve. And uh, it's something that goes back to my studies, the impressions I had during the financial crisis in 2008 and my early career in, in banking and finance. Of course, you know, given all the great work that you and your co-founder did at Calibra, I, I think yourselves are definitely in the perfect place to look at what does modern data access management look like, right? Um, and actually, that's one of the things we've seen quite a lot, Bart, as organizations like to move towards this modern paradigm around around data mesh and data products, data access management fundamentally needs to be rethought. From your perspective, as you guys were looking to, to f- build the organization, what is it that you saw the industry was missing around data access management? And how do you think fundamentally as a discipline that's changing as data governance starts to become more and more important for organizations? Good question. So what we saw is that um, there's really a challenge in, in scalable data access management, right? So um, as 
organizations are moving their workloads, their analytical workloads to the cloud. Uh, they're moving data from different applications, different source systems, and centralizing everything in the cloud. And by doing that move, they kind of lose the Chinese walls that they naturally have between um, the source systems. Um, so with all that data in one location, that of course creates some privacy and security challenges. Privacy in the sense that now we can see data uh, from different domains where it used to be segregated per application, right? People in HR might see customer data and vice versa, something you want to avoid. But also in terms of security, that creates a challenge because you know, that cloud is public, it's accessed over the internet, and uh, when credentials get breached, uh, a person that enters uh, your cloud database can have access to all that data if you don't have fine-grained access management. So with all that analytical data, in the public cloud, you really need to have these same fine-grained access controls that replicate the Chinese walls that they used to used to have. Um, that in itself is not a challenge if it weren't that analytical data, once it's there in the cloud, has huge volumes and it tends to grow, it tends to proliferate. But there's also a lot of change, right? Uh, people leave, they join the organization, they change teams. Your technology stack is subject to change. The components are being replaced and removed, but also your data products change. When you create a new ML model for automation, for automated insights, automated decision-making, or you create new reports for insights. So in all that change, you have to um, keep uh, your fine-grained access controls. Doing that is a challenge because you don't want to you know, slow down the whole innovation uh, for long data access request workflows or access management workflows. Um, so you need to have that balance between innovating self-service that you typically see for fast-paced organizations while keeping access secure. And that balance requires scalable data access management, something that we want to build with Rito. Okay, so Bart, before we dive into the details, could you just outline the difference in your opinion between access management and data access management? I think that's a really important clarification before we jump into the details. Data access management is a is a pretty young discipline, a pretty recent discipline that came up uh, the last couple of years as we're moving data to the cloud, right? So when you look at access management, it basically means managing access at the parameter of your application. That made a lot of sense when each team had their own application, right? When you had your data within your security parameter, you could just say, well, this is the application for a team, everybody in the team has access to that application. Now, for analytical data in the cloud, right? You have all data from the different domains in one location. It's also public, so you have the risk of data breaches. You have to have granular access management. So access management at the parameter doesn't work anymore. You need to have access management at the data set level. So that, for instance, only the people only uh, European salespeople can see the data of European customers. Only American salespeople can see data of American salespeople. Or people in accounting can only see finance data. People in HR can only see employee data. There's a couple of good examples there um, of different applications uh, and, and the need for data access management. Maybe our listeners would appreciate hearing some of the implications of not getting this right. Um, to raise the importance of, of, you know, of getting it right. What we've seen at a couple of customers is that they use uh, Active Directory to manage access, to, to, to do data access management 
in a way. But the Active Directory, of course, is used in the organization for access management. It's not only for access to your data analytics, but it's also used for access to applications, systems, other databases throughout the organization, right? So the responsibility, of course, is not with the data team, but it's with security, IT, and so forth. So what we see is that uh, somebody joins the data analytics team or wants to work on a new project, uh, they need to have, they need to be assigned to the appropriate roles or groups in Active Directory to access the data. They log a ticket in ServiceNow uh, that's being picked up by IT, who typically are completely clueless about the business context of the data, who are clueless about the regulations and have to inform, have to ask around and so forth. So um, that is a long process before you finally get access. That is really bad for innovation, right? The result is often that it takes a long time to get access to the data. In certain cases, you even have role explosion that is bad for the transparency. So what you have to get is take the responsibility of data access management, take that out of the IT, right? Out of the team that's working on Active Directory and put that with the data teams. So in an ideal world, it's data teams that are responsible for data access management, right? So you have to take that responsibility away from the IT team. They remain responsible for access management at the parameter level, right? That stays there. But then responsibility for data access management, that's something you want to share over the data teams and your central data governance team because they know the business context of data. They know the privacy regulations that apply. And this way you can really scale data access management without stifling innovation. So uh, a good anecdote here can help. Uh, I had to work with sensitive data on a certain project early in my career, and that required me to ask uh, access for that data. Now, that was of course with IT who were overburdened at the time, and it just gave me admin credentials, right? In the hope that they would revoke it after a couple of weeks when that project was over. Now, because they were overburdened, they forgot to revoke access, and I had admin credentials to the whole application. So I saw all the data, which was great for me, made me more productive. And um, that's why I didn't inform them that I had admin credentials. So the end result of that process where a central IT team is responsible for data access management is that I had admin rights. I saw all the data and it was permanent. It's a great brand new example, Bart, but in today's landscape, right? Let's take it up 30,000 feet the financial, the legal implications of not getting that right, what are they in today's landscape? The risks are, are I mean, they're, they're significant. Everybody knows GDPR by now. Everybody knows the huge fines you can get in case of a data breach, but there's also a huge impact on your bottom line, right? You have the costs of resolving, investigating the breach, taking measures after effects. That's a huge cost, um, but there's also a huge impact on your bottom line. There is a Australian company called Optus, and uh, they had a data breach back in 2022. And because of that data breach, they lost 10% uh, of their customers. Now, for them, that means uh, losing 1 million customers. So it's quite a lot, showing you that a data breach nowadays can uh, result in a loss of confidence by your customers, really impacting your bottom line. Yeah, I think there's also the the ethical side and the people side of it, right? Because if data is used in the wrong way, 
it can definitely harm your reputation. It can harm your market share. It can harm your your product placement across the market. So, and and we're seeing more and more. You know, we're thinking about kind of generative and and the ethical implications of of generative and and the way that you govern AI. These things are becoming more and more pe- important to customers, to people. So you've got financial, you've got legal implications, but you've also got, like you say, the bottom line of your business will be impacted if you don't get these things right. Yeah, and it's it's quite interesting there actually, Bart. The the part that you mentioned around being able to balance innovation whilst also making sure you're adhering to your governance controls and policies, because arguably one of the things you always find is a first and foremost trying to get access to data is very hard, usually if you're a data engineer or a data scientist. But B, if you're not satisfying the requirements that your risk security and controls teams have, actually all you've done is slowed your innovation down significantly because you aren't actually able to evidence how those controls are being replicated in, um, in say, a cloud-based environment. So, DBS, perhaps I'd like to bring you here into this as well. When we, when we look at organizations, um, one of the key things that we sort of look at is, is how can we make sure that a, first and foremost, the organizations are adhering to modern data governance principles and practices and how data access management is a fundamental component with regards to data governance. So I'll be keen to get your perspectives to see actually how these two components come together. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really interesting. The, the story started uh, by talking about people fundamentally, right? Traders uh, who just go off and, uh, you know, follow their, their short-term gains and, um I think, you know, what what Bart's talking about here is simplifying the challenges that inherently come with people by making them, um, you know, baking them into the technology and making that, um, you know, seamless to, to, to execute. I think um, for, for me, Bart, there's, there's a layer on top, which is the operational, you know, implementation of such technology where you've got a set of, of, of governance rules, you've got um, risks that you need to mitigate and then you've got the technology to deliver upon that right and then on top of that you've got the need to scale uh, the need to to kind of like you say move forwards innovate deal with technology change how do you see the you know the, the people side and the operational side and then the platform side coming together in a way that really allows us to you know mitigate risk but move quickly I think what you really need to move quickly, but in a secure way, so where access is secure, where data usage is private, is by integrating privacy, security, maybe data governance in your analytical processes. So that means when you're creating your data product, you make sure that an owner is assigned, you make sure that the data has been tagged so that you can automatically decide the appropriate access controls. Um, it means that when people are using data uh, and they want to request access, that they don't have to move between applications. They can request access from within their data tools or their productivity tools. But it really means that uh, on the one hand, it's very closely integrated with development of your data products, but also you take away all the frictions from data governance or in our case, data excellent management data access measurement, you take away that friction um, so that people uh, uh, don't hook off because, I mean, data access management 
it's something you have to do, right? It doesn't, uh, apart from us and people working on it, it doesn't excite people. I'm sure data access management doesn't excite data analysts or data engineers. It's something they have to do. So you have to make it as convenient as possible and include it as early as possible in the development cycle. Now, what happens today is that it's managed by a central team, a central data governance team. The reason it's managed there is um, various reasons, right? They know the regulations, know the privacy regulations. Uh, sometimes they're the ones that know the technology because they're the data engineers that are there, if it's your core data team. So all data access management ends up there. And that, of course, creates bottlenecks. Uh, you have long data access request workflows. They tend to close up everything. You have to pass through a lot of jump to hoops to get access. And that creates a lot of friction. So you end up with people bypassing security as much as possible, right? Uh, or uh, that that core data team that ends up having to approve the access requests are overburdened. It takes too long to figure out which are the right roles to assign users to. They just give admin rights just to get it over with, right? Then the whole concept of having fine-grained access controls is kind of overruled by user behavior, which always goes for least friction. And that's what I mean with um, having a convenient solution, compliance by convenience, it needs to be seamless, and that requires good UX, good UI, requires good collaboration capabilities and automation where possible. Yeah, 100%. We talk a lot about product thinking at Mesh and this idea that a product is never complete, right? It's something that evolves as, as users evolve. And uh, from an ML standpoint, you know, I, it's very similar to what we see in, in the machine learning field where you know, we'll work on developing a model, we'll make sure it scales, and then we'll get to a point where, okay, now we need to govern it. Don't do that. Start at the beginning. And and I think the, the level of effort, if you have um, a framework, if you have the accessible technology that enables you to implement that framework from day one, the effort will be much, much smaller moving forwards into that continuous development cycle, right? All products, all services go through that same cycle. Um, and it, if it's accessible, if anyone can do it, you're not just putting it into the hands of those governance teams um, who no one really wants to talk to, right? Um, but instead, you're embedding it as part of all processes that exist across an organization. Then you will, yeah, scale the the, the risk mitigation um, and ultimately they make everyone's lives easier and remove those kind of painful, um, let's go back and fix it or painful conversations that, that inevitably, you know, have come about in the past. Yeah, indeed, data governance should not be policing. They should not be trying to catch up, slow down the organization. They should be enabling, right? And that's where, if you can automate as much as possible, if you can integrate more into data product development cycle, uh, you take them out of the policing and they become more enablers, right? They can tell you, instead of restricting access, slowing down access, but the, the process, development process, because there's PII in it, right? Because they have to act on pre manual procedures. Uh, if if more of that decision-making and, and, and uh, processes can be automated, data governance can be more of a business enabler, help you figure out it, when you're stuck, how to resolve uh, the privacy and security issues so that you can continue innovate. But if you put them in a policing situation where they have to police and catch up, of course, they won't have the bandwidth and the time to be a business enabler. You're absolutely spot on there, Bart. And and actually, you've touched upon a couple of very important points there. A, which is the fact that data governance shouldn't be a bottleneck. And actually, if you 
treat it as a central policing function, you actually soon start to um, slow down the pace of innovation. And within Mesh AI, actually, the approach that we take using the core foundational principles of data mesh is looking at how can data covenants be federated. And this notion of identifying data domains within a business, which leverages product and domain design thinking, as DBS touched upon. And once you've identified every domain, you have this notional roles of data domain owners and data domain product owners and data domain product developers. The idea being the domain owner owns and is, is someone who's senior within the organization and owns the entire data roadmap for that business domain. The data product owner prioritizes the creation of data products that the wider organization needs. And the data product developers and engineers actually create these data products that the organization requires. And between the three of them, they're responsible for implementing the data governance practices that a central enablement team creates for them. And arguably, um, they are the ones that should be responsible for approving access to the data products that they are creating, right? But when we look to implement this model, the hardest part as, 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 as part of the federated data governance model is how can you federate data access management and data request workflows? Because if we were to look at the bulk of the systems today, regardless of those being on-premises or on cloud, are focused either on the particular data sets themselves or on centralized data access management technology. So I'd, I'd love to hear your perspective on if you're using federated data governance, how can you federate data access management while still being able to adhere to your centralized risk posture and governance policies? I tried last year term for that, uh, the Conway Pincer movement. It's, it's not the, it's not becoming a, it's, it's, it's not catching on, I see. Um, I have to try it more, but what I call this the Conway Pincer movement, right? So, uh, in fact, as you point out, Deepak, you cannot just completely federate the responsibility of data access management to the data owners, right? Um, because yeah, there are still some regulations you have to adhere to. Uh, you have privacy regulations. You have uh, if you're a listed company, you have Sarbanes-Oxley you have to comply with. So there are many uh, data regulations, HIPAA, PC, or security sense like PCI, you have to comply with. You cannot expect everybody in the business to know these regulations. So you need some kind of control over the regulated data in the central data governance team. On the other hand, you cannot have that bottleneck by having the data central data governance team to approve all access requests. So you need some kind of collaboration. And that's what we at Raito, uh, with a very posh term called the Conway Pinson Movement. So federate as much as possible to the data owners or the data product owners, have them do as much as possible the approvals for access requests to their data. If possible, even use tag-based policies to automate that approval process, making their lives easier, right? Um, but then have that in combination with your central data governance team, keeping control over your most sensitive data. And I, I think an example will make it easier, right? Imagine customer data, right? So the domain in the marketing domain can have a policy that says, well, everybody in marketing can have access to customer data when it's for direct marketing. So when somebody in the marketing team requests access to customer data because they want to set up a direct marketing campaign, his access, their access request is automatically approved. It can even be time-bound. Now, it can be that you're a very regulated organization. You're using payment card information. 
then your central data governance team can still have a policy that says always mask PCI, right? So always mask payment card information, no matter how it's being used. What we would do right is have a combination of those policies. So you have a policy that says always approve access when it's somebody from the marketing team requesting access to customer data. They get access to that table. Thanks to that policy that says always mask PCI, the, the column with payment card information will always be masked, right? And then if they really need access, they can ask for a manual override of that masking policy, which then the central data governance team has to approve. And that's really how you find a balance between the, the domains and the central data governance team to really scale data access management. That's very interesting there, Bart. And actually, as, as you were thinking about there, I was, I was sitting there going, that's great for, for user access because now what you've, what you've done is actually based on the personas, you're moving to, it, I guess, attribute-based access controls as opposed to just role-based access controls based on the actual attributes on, on your actual data sets. Um, one of the aspects that we're seeing more and more happen nowadays is historically, um, the focus on how can we limit access to data for the actual end users. But more and more, I guess now we're also starting to seeing with analytics becoming more and more complex with the requirement for organizations to create internal models on top of foundational models to leverage their own data in order to improve these capabilities. Equally, what's starting to become complex and important is how can you limit service-based access for, for applications to that data as well? Do you see this being a similar approach that can be leveraged for, for applications and workloads as well? Or does that need to be fundamentally rethought um, compared to user access to data? I think there are some similarities. I, I think once you get a grip on user access and have all the processes in place, the roles and responsibilities, I think managing access for your service accounts will be definitely will be feasible. Um, of course, uh, when you look at service accounts, uh, you mentioned ML models. That's where we see service accounts. Where we also see service accounts is for reporting tools, BI tools, where then users have access to the data in the BI tool, and that BI tool uses a service account or the developer's credentials, right? That puts you in a bit of a tricky situation there because then you have to start managing access in your BI tool and have consistent access controls. So best practices are there always use SSO that you use the, the end user's credentials to extract data, but for performance reasons, of course, that is often not the case. And then the challenge is, of course, you have consistent access controls in, in your BI tools. But again, if you have the processes and roles and responsibilities in place to manage access at scale for users, that can be addressed uh, as well. Um, what we hear a lot for service accounts is uh, to monitor usage, right? There are a lot of service accounts that are implemented, but are never used. So how can we uh, surface those service accounts, monitor usage for those service accounts, and, and help you maybe sunset certain that are not used anymore? But I just want to um, shift channel a little bit uh, and come back to something you mentioned at the beginning around innovation. You mentioned some really interesting things there about attribute-based access controls, right? Ultimately, those that use the data aren't always the people that develop, right? So where the data ultimately has an impact, the application, the end user, the way in which it's used, how 
do you think about facilitating what really is an, an innovation process, right? By which you uncover the applications, the risks, the dangers, and then feed that back into those that implement the rules and manage the controls because it it's various stakeholders, right, that work together to iteratively in, improve. How, how do you think through that? I think the access measurement should be invisible for the end user, right? So you mentioned the end user. Uh, they should not be the only, so the best data access management solution is the one that is invisible, that they don't even know that it's there, right? They request access, access approved or denied within a very reasonable time limit, not in, in terms of weeks. Um, of course, to get there, you need to be very mature, right? You need to have the good rules and responsibilities in place. Who's responsible for tagging? Who's responsible for the policies? Who is responsible for access requests? So you need to have the owners, the stewards assigned. You need to have your policy in place. You need to have the data tagged. That's a high level of maturity. Getting to ABAC, the tag-based policy, is a high level of maturity, right? Now, not a lot of companies are there today. Uh, a lot of companies are actually still figuring out how to do RBAC properly. Uh, there we see, we get a lot of questions. How do we do our, how do we organize our roles? How do we implement access requests? So as an industry to get to ABAC, I think we first need to solve uh, RBAC and then naturally transition into ABAC. Um, but I think it really starts with, as you said, uh, DBS, having good procedures, having good processes and having good roles and responsibilities defined. You mentioned that there is decentralized data governance capability, right? And in the in the modern paradigm of federated data governance, we also have data domains who to a degree have certain responsibility. When we look at a modern data access management solution and capability, what roles do you see that central function playing? And what role do you see the federated domains themselves playing? And how do you see that being facilitated with some of the modern automation capabilities in place today? Because safe to say a lot of access management today has been portal driven or has been GUI driven and not particularly something that has been declarative. Do you see that playing a role in this modern shift around data access management as well? Yeah. So I definitely believe in declarative policies, uh, a bit a bit as policy as code, which you centrally define. And then uh, those policies are then translated uh, to the native access controls, right? So I believe in policy as code, but I also believe in a UI where you can then manage policy as code because policy as code is I mean, you can you can manage in YAML files. That's great for more technical people, but when you want to federate and push ownership or federate ownership to the the data owners in the business, of course, then you need a um, UI. Uh, in any case, it needs to be integrated with your data stack. So somebody has to integrate. It. Somebody has to make sure that whenever there's a new data product. Uh, your policies are, apply, are applied. I think that is a responsibility. So if you look at the domains, it's a responsibility for the technical profile in your domain. Often that's your data engineer. He has to integrate uh, your policy manager, or in this case, right, to integrate with your data products, in, with your data stack. So each domain or has to make sure that policies are uh, applied. I think the, the responsibility of the policies of the access management 
that is shared uh, over the central data governance team and your domains. Uh, central data governance team is responsible for managing access to like very sensitive data where you wanna make sure that it is very strictly, uh, access is very strictly managed. That can be because it's uh, personal data uh, and you have to comply with GDPR. It can be because it's like business critical data. You want to make sure that access is managed. It can be because it's production data and uh, like reporting data and you have to comply with Sarbanes-Oxley. So manage access there, limit the scope of course, and then all the other data, federate that responsibility to uh, your data owners in the, in the domains. So they will manage access to their data products. And of course the incentive is different, right? Your central data governance team, they will manage access to make sure that you're not in breach with regulations, your domains, they're going to manage access to automate the approval process to make their lives easier. So it's a completely different incentive. And that's why you have to be very careful who manage, manages access. So in terms of roles and responsibilities, what I'm seeing, your central data governance team have to make sure that access is managed for your most sensitive data, have to make sure that everybody's enabled, understands how to use your tool, how to manage access, understand the process, might do some evangelization. And then your domains, they are responsible for managing access to their data products and make sure that it's integrated with uh, the data stack. That's very interesting, actually, Bart, because what you're actually staying, saying there is domains need to, A, first and foremost, get better handle on the classification and the sensitivity of their data. And based on that sensitivity, the most sensitive data is managed by a central team and those that are lower in terms of sensitivity and classification is something that the domains themselves can manage the actual access to, which is which is a very good way of looking at it and also making sure that your risk and governance functions um, are also satisfied um, with, with how data should be managed. So Bart, as an organization, I hear you, right? Um, we realize that actually data access management needs to become front and center to what we do from a data governance perspective. Uh, you've scared us enough sharing all the examples of what's happening in the real world and the fact that you still have admin data to certain data that you shouldn't have. Um, how do you, as an organization, you've understood that you are going to embrace a modern approach to data governance. How do you get started? What are the fundamental building blocks for an organization to start to adopt a modern approach to data access management? First, the building blocks for data access management at scale is first thing, you need to have data access and usage observability, right? How can you manage access across your data stack if you don't know who has access to what, what the usage patterns are and so forth? So first step is get that data access and usage observability. Then two is implement collaboration. Right. So we mentioned earlier that data access management requires collaboration between the central data governance team, data owners in the business, and the, the data engineers working on your technology stack. So you need to have the collaboration, the process in place. And then finally, automate where possible. So that can be using tag-based policies, can be using some kind of AI ML module that surfaces risks and inconsistencies in your access controls. So that are the building blocks for data access management. Now, the implementation, of course, that's something different. There, it's really to start early enough. And I understand the reflex, right? Uh, people often feel like they have to prove the value of data first. They have to prove 
to their CFO that there is value in the data, they can get a return out of, uh, out of the data and their analytics. So they always focus on that and they think, well, we'll do data access management, data governance, we'll do it at some point. Um, of course, you have to start early enough because when you wait too long, you'll spend too much time in fixing things, setting everything straight. Um, so start early enough. The other thing is just provision time for change management. Don't underestimate change management. Uh, you have to uh, evangelize, uh, train users. They have to train, uh, change their behaviors. Foresee enough time for change management. And then also uh, focus on repeatable processes, right? So make sure that it's repeatable. Make sure that it's uh, easy to roll out. And finally, push it left. So share responsibility, implement the processes, do it in the development of your data products rather than putting it squarely with your data governance team. You know, the part that resonates the most with me is having to start it early because the number of times we've all been in those situations where you actually build something and you thought that it might just be used by two people and you'll get the wider investment to do it properly later on just to realize that now it's being used by 50 people and you've got demand for another 100 more. And that's the last position you want to be in, particularly from a data access management perspective. So Bart, thank you so much. You've shared with us some absolute gold nuggets with regards to data access management and where organizations should be focusing their time and efforts on. It's been really, really insightful. So for anyone else out there who would like to get in touch with you and understand a bit more about the work that you're doing at Rito, how should they get in touch? So you can find us on www.rito.io or you can just shoot me an email at bart at rito.io. Thank you so much. It was great to have you on the show. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. That's it for today. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Data and AI podcast from Mesh AI. For more information, head over to our website, meshai.com, that's mesh-ai.com, or get in touch via email, podcasts at meshai.com, that's mesh-ai.com. See you next time.